Hey there, folks. We are into the spooky season. That means we are into October. So what better than to talk about the cameras that the team around the table consider cursed. That means cameras that we just can't find where the problem is or cameras we just can't quite get good images from. So roll the intro and we can see if we can break the mummy's curse. Welcome to the Classic Camera Revival, coming to you from the Greater Toronto Hamilton region of Ontario, Canada. If you don't have gear acquisition syndrome now, you most likely will by the end of the episode. So we have around the table used a lot of different cameras and we have a lot of cameras that we like. We can kind of figure it out, get good images out of, and then there are some that just we can't quite figure out. And the camera for John that keeps coming back from the dead is one that is actually a really good camera, but it suffers from the fact that the quality depends on how much or how little vodka was consumed at the factory of the time. And that is, of course, the Zenit 3M. Da tovarish. Welcome to the legendary Russian quality control. Um, I have talked about this camera before. Um, and I guess I hadn't thought about it for a while and just how much I hated it. And so it's time to sort of, you know, buff, burnish the hatred and bring that hatred up to a nice, fine, fiery glow again. So I, I bought the uh, Zenit 3M basically so I could use a lens I got, which was uh, the complete opposite. It's a Helios 44, which is an amazing specimen of that uh, of that lens of that species. And the lens, you know, that the lens is like from my cold dead hands. That lens will never leave me. As for the bodies. I've had at least three, maybe four of them, because uh, like the, you know, there's no point using a 36 exposure roll uh, film in these cameras, because the shutter will break by the time you hit roll, t hit frame 24. Um, I can confirm that. Yeah, yeah, the shutters are horrible. It's the, it's the same shutter as you find like in the earlier Zorkies and that kind of thing. So, if you um, if you cock the shutter and then change the speed, or like in the wrong sequence, you will break the shutter. The uh, the viewfinder, um, it will have you pining for the bright contrasty days of a Barnack Leica, um, because it it and uh, it's it's nice and oval. It looks like you know probably what a TV set in the in the Soviet Union looked like in the 1950s. Various shades of dingy gray. Not a sharp angle yeah, to be found. Yeah, but that was for just the party elite. Yes, datovarish. Um, the one thing that, that bothers me, like from an aesthetic point of view, I think it's an attractive camera. It has interesting lines. Uh, it actually doesn't feel bad in the hands until you actually try and take a picture. Um, but once you actually have to try to use it, any kind of attraction fades very quickly the last time i used mine was uh there was a uh, toronto photo shooters walk uh last winter 
and uh, it was snowing, surprise, surprise, sort of a heavy, wet snow kind of day. And water would kept running into the viewfinder. I, I think on a roll of 36, I had three images that were somewhat in focus. The rest was blur, 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 blur. And so, like, I still use the lens. I use the lens on my Sony A7 digital. That's where it tends to live a lot. Or I also have adapters to use it on, believe it or not, a uh, Canon Rebel. Um, but apart from that, the body just sits there collecting dust. Maybe I'll give it to the cats to play with at some point. But uh, Alex also tried it once for his for one of his reviews, so I'll let Alex add any, any more condemnation in case I missed any shortcomings. And I will completely agree with John. If you are a fan of Art Deco mid-century design look are a fan of that soviet era brutalist design you will want a zenith 3m to sit on a shelf somewhere or to be used as a paperweight but make sure that you get the less desirable indistar lens on it because you are going to pay a premium for that Helios lens. The one thing to recognize is that the camera is cheap. You can buy camera bodies for dirt cheap and you might get it in a star lens. You'll pay the premium for that um, Helios lens and the Helios lens on the 3M is a M39 mount, but it's not a Leica thread mount. <laughs> they might be the same numerically, but the thread pitch is just different enough that you will screw up your Barnack Leica or even your Zorky rangefinder if you try to mount it on them. And of course, the flange di distance is different anyway. Oh, absolutely. But as a shelf queen or shelf king or shelf czar, it is a fabulous camera, but not a regular user. And again, I used mine in the dead of winter, you know, Russia, Siberia, Napoleon, Hitler. Punishment. It should be a camera that would take punishment, but I got through half a roll in both cases and the shutter started dying and herein comes the difference between what we consider a quality camera in the west that is west of the iron curtain as opposed to east of the iron curtain that quality east of the iron curtain is a camera that you can fix yourself you need a sledgehammer, a slot screwdriver, and a Mickey of vodka, and you can fix it. Two, if you're unlucky, if you've had a camera built on a day where there wasn't as much vodka in the factory. In the West is a camera that just doesn't break. So... If you do have one and are interested in learning how to repair cameras, repair shutters... The Zenit is a fantastic investment, 
And if you can repair one of those, you can repair pretty much any camera. So it's not a bad camera in the sense that you get a bad camera. It's good in the sense that it's an education. But if you're someone who just wants a camera to take pictures, you don't want to buy a Zenit. Or if you have a history of substance abuse problems in your family, run away from this camera. Uh, definitely. And um, going from uh, from the uh, cold Siberia to the nuance of Japanese optics, we have Bill with a camera that should technically be able to produce a good image all the time. But in his case, it didn't. Thanks, Alex. I have a more than one Canon F1. I have a pair of new F1s. I have an F1 lowercase n from the late 70s, post-76. But I got an early Canon F1 from the early 70s, the original, the OG, the one that Canon popped out as sort of their, this is our reply from the Nikon F, and hopefully it'll compete against the F2 body. They're sophisticated machines. In fact, I think Canon bragged, yes, we've got 10,000 parts in it. I got mine as a birthday present, which meaning, again, I, you know, my uh, mom bought it for me, but I bought the camera. She reimbursed me. I got it from a certain camera broker in the U.S. that begins with the letter K and ends with H. And it was bargain condition, but it, the meter had been converted to one and a half volts. Okay, this is cool. So I popped a roll of film in, and I took it on a photo walk. There was this weird-ass lens flare right in the middle of the frame. And it took me a year to figure out what the heck was going on with it. I wound up taking it to CamTech up on Hamilton Mountain. Our, our good late friend, Roger, who sadly has been gone for a while, um, he figured it out. It turns out there was a gasket missing between the focusing screen and the mirror box. And light was leaking in that way. Like Joan at Burlington Camera was stumped. I was stumped. A bunch of other people were stumped. Why was it with this weird ass light leak? Um, I think I confused, I think, a few Canon groups, both on Flickr and Facebook. Uh, so, yeah, that was done. Okay. But there was a wee bit of shutter bounce on, on certain higher speeds. Okay. But, you know, it got a little more pronounced as time went on, and it was like, what's causing this shutter bounce? Now, by now I've got like three other F1 bodies of varying vintages, so this one was kind of sort of, okay, uh, I take this out on occasion. I wanted to find out what the heck was going on with the shutter bounce, and it's been to a few repair techs over the years, and it's like, yeah, it's... It's the shutter break. And then I'd send it to Lens Medic YYC. And I, I kind of told and Gary is torn. And Gary was a guest on the Classic Camera Revival several episodes ago. Um, I said, look, and he's, he's overhauled multiple F1s over the years. I kind of told him the problem. And it was like, okay, I know where to go. So he, did, he tore it down. It turns out some wiseacre, probably the same dolt who left the uh, that gasket out, 
Uh, he stripped the screw for the shutter brake, so he couldn't take the shutter brake assembly apart to fix it. So I got to live with that shutter bounce. Yeah, so it's it's kind of like... It, it's now sort of a shelf queen, a.k.a. parts camera. So if I get another early F1 in the future, it'll be a donor body for bits and pieces. But it's like literally... I got three F1s as it is, one from the late 70s and two from the 80s. It's like, yeah, I'm okay. But again, it's like one of those, in theory, this, and I've, I know other people who shoot with other F1s of the same vintage, no problems at all. It's a, it's, it's a trouble-free workhorse. My case, this horse has a bad limp. Ah, and there's only one thing to do with a horse with a bad limp, and that involves two 12-gauge slugs. <laughs> <laughs> Off to the glue factory with you. <laughs> ah, I was about to say, we nicknamed him Glue Stick. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> You're destined for violin strings, buddy. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, the camera I selected is one that if you are a fan of the Harry Potter film series, you will recognize. If you are a resident of Ann Arbor, you will recognize. And it's the Argus C3. There's nothing wrong with an Argus C3. It is a camera that does exactly what it does on the tin takes a picture it exposes light through a decent lens onto film but it's also american and america is weird it's convoluted it's a nice camera it it's iconic you immediately recognize the Argus C3 if you see it in a picture on film. The optics are okay. It's a rangefinder. But it just doesn't fit right in the hand. And it... I mean, I've, I've shot an Argus C3 C3 three times. I've only gotten six good frames out of one of these things. And that's because I didn't read the manual. You have to read the manual because you can't just advance the film. You take the shot, you advance the film. Everyone does that. Every camera ever produced does that. On the C3, you actually have to release a lock. You flick a lever, you advance it, but you also have to, as soon as you start advancing, release that lock, or else it will just happily go through the rest of the roll. (laughs) I could say that the Argus C3 is the camera that taught me to read the fucking manual. (laughs) Have the bad dreams ended, Alex? Uh, Yes. The therapy ended, the medication's been tapered (laughs) off. The medication still goes on. It's called single malt scotch. That's good. That's good Light medication. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the way to sit, the, the way to fix a C three is with C four. Mm. 
Yeah, know? that's probably the best way. Like the Argus C3 brick, I see one. It's either like it's a great prop camera, mm. hence Harry Potter. Like no real photographer would who wants to keep their sanity. They're yeah. just cool looking. They're just cool looking. That's the thing. They're a great prop camera. I remember, I think Gwyneth Paltrow had one in the, uh, I think it was a weird sort of throwback to some th- 1930s era vintage movie, Sky Captain and the World of the Tomorrow. World of Tomorrow. Oh, okay. yes. yes. Yes, we are talking about the woman that's created a candle that smells like her bodily fluids, so <laughs> I'll leave you with that. Uh, Moving right along. <laughs> Apparently that's a thing? I don't know. Yeah, but still, the C3, it's great as a paperweight. Or maybe a defensive weapon. It looks cool. And I do admit that Argus, for a company that started off making radios, that turned to making cameras during the Depression, and becoming the company that kept Ann Arbor afloat through the Depression and the war years, the C3 is a brilliant camera. The optics are wonderful. And as a functional camera that could stand up to Kodak as a company is impressive. You have to give Argus that. It's the little camera company that could, basically. It is the Thomas the Tank Engine of of the film photography world, especially in the United States. Would I ever spend money on one? No. Is it a good camera? Yes. Is it a frustrating camera? Yes. Especially if you go into it blind. And again, I always try to put a positive spin on things. It's a great camera. The Centaur optics are wonderful. Did it teach me something? Absolutely. Read the fucking manual. Twice. And oh, it was the Mamiya C220F that I actually finally put that into practice when I sort of looked at this like, this is a TLR. I should know how to use a TLR. But a C220F is a weird TLR. It's not for everybody. It's not for everybody, just like the C3 is not for everyone. Is it a cursed camera? Absolutely. Can you fix it yourself? Absolutely. It is designed for that idea of the American dream of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, doing it yourself, and coming out of it. Yeah, if you want to do that with your photography, buy a C3. Um, it is definitely the most Soviet American camera out there. And I'm probably going to annoy a whole ton of conservative Americans at that. It is the most communist camera to come out of the United States. And to end it off, Nikon. It's a trusted name around the uh, table. Everyone here has shot Nikon cameras. But then there's the Nicorex. Well, I mean, they elected Trump, so, you know. That'll be in the history books for There'll be letters. There'll be letters. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Soak the emails before opening them. <laughs> yeah. All right. The Nicorex. So what a piece of shit. Um, wow. Like, you know. Tell okay. us how you really feel. <laughs> and I think pieces of shit would feel offended. <laughs> Sorry. to the, Apologies to the pieces of shit. 
um, the non-Nickerex pieces of shit, that is. So, let me preface this by saying, the original Nickerex was a piece of shit. This is a Nickerex 2. It is a slightly less stinky piece of shit. Um, but it's still number two. It is still number two. <laughs> yes, hence the two. <laughs> um, why do I think this is a cursed camera? Why do I hate shooting it? Well, because it's a piece of crap. Um, you know, it, it's... Um, all right, before I get into the uh, nuances of the crappiness, uh, the, a little bit of history on the camera. Uh, came out in 1965. Uh, pardon me, 62. Um, it was meant to uh, compete with the uh, Nikon F. Uh, not Sorry, not compete with the Nikon F, but meant to fill a slot in sort of the consumer sort of mid-range market um, when the Nikon F came out. And they wanted something that was probably a little bit more price conscious than say the Nikon 35 the the range finders and things like that that are obviously very highly sought after today and are you know very good quality cameras um the Nicorex sort of line went from 62 to 69 and was sort of straddled I don't know sort of Nikon's 60s drug-induced haze I, I don't know um but um they sort of, you know, they, they realized that, hey, maybe we should come out with a, a knicker mat. And, you know, that happened in, in, in 65. Um, uh, so that sort of changed things. But the Knicker X version one was completely unreliable, a piece of crap, uh, unstable shutter. Um, and, you know, just it, it was it really reminds me of the inside of a of a uh, um uh, a um, my God, what a Zenit uh, camera. <laughs> so talking about you know uh, J Japan's uh, Russian camera, this would be it. Um, like I mean, like it's hollow. Like you know, it, there's like nothing in there. Um, it it feels tinny. Um, it does have some good weight to it. I have a Nicker X two, so they they really improved from the Nicker X version one to the Nicker X version two. And what they did was they made more rounded corners, made it a little bit more ergonomic. Um, they changed the shutter from a Citizen shutter uh, to a Seiko or Seikosha shutter. Um, however, the the camera sales and production never really went anywhere because the first version was just absolute garbage so they could re never really recover from that and so they they made that for a little while they made it um um up until uh i think um probably 64 um and then they came out with uh well they had sorry they had the uh the nicker x the nicker x2 um, they had the um, Nicker X uh, F, uh, and that's an interesting camera. So the Nicker X F was the best improvement over all of the Nicker X line. And guess who made it? Mamiya made it. So Nikon didn't even actually make it. Uh, anyway, I don't know what else really much to tell you about the camera other than if you see one on the shelf, leave it there. Um, move on. Buy something better for your money. A knicker mat. Uh, buy yourself a knicker mat. It's got interchangeable lenses. You know, uh, you know, very similar control layout actually, and that's why I'm talking about about the knicker X and the knicker mat uh, so closely. All of the um, the shooting controls are on the barrel, uh, so very similar to uh, the knicker mat. It has a decent lens actually. It's a um, uh, a fifty millimeter um, uh, two point five. 
Nikkor Q series. So that's the only time I've ever heard of a Q series uh, Nikkor lens, um, and it's on this particular camera. Um, when I can get the shutter um, and the aperture blades to function properly, uh, the image quality is decent. Um, you know, do I ever see this camera not being a shelf queen? Absolutely not. Um, you know what? It's kind of cool to look at. It has a little bit of an Art Deco-ish kind of look to it. Um, but yeah, there's so many better other better cameras out there, uh, other choices. Uh, you know, choose something else. Oddly enough, uh, Nikon eventually uh, sold the uh, tooling and plans for that to Ricoh. Well, and they produced it at the Ricoh Flex. Yep. Um, past uh, 66. Interesting. So I wonder what. So they probably took the um, the Nikkor XF yep. uh, stuff, I guess, which yeah. was a, a decent camera. But like, that's the problem. You rebrand it as a Ricoh. And then you lose the stigma of the of the Nikkor X. Well, yeah, the Ricoh wound up going with a screw mount. It had a pull shutter, if memory serves correct. And I heard those. My brother is a prolific. Well, is a prolific camera collector. I think he has one or two, a couple of rebranded on the Sears name, and they're oddly enough surprisingly reliable. So if you're you love your M42 screw mount lenses and you want an alternative to Pentax. Yeah. And, Rico. The and the reality is, too, like we're talking about a camera that was manufactured in, say, 1962. Um, it's 2022. So. Well, the other thing you know. is, it's also they use different manufacturing than the Nikon F. The Nikon F was like brass. Oh, yeah. It was a system camera. Yeah. Uh, just looking at that, it looks like the, the components are more. Hmm. Bubble gum, bailing wire. <laughs> A tin foil spit and uh, what? Smell it. Well, it smells more, like, but in reality, it, was, it smells it, like regret. Yeah, <laughs> tears and regret. It looks more like it was the parts. So at least the outer housing was stamped. What really messes you up is that this is an SLR, thirty-five millimeter SLR, but your viewfinder at the back is offset from where the lens is. Yeah. So, if you use a Olympus Pen F, might be okay. Yeah. Hey, the metering, the metering's good too. It's very simple, you know, match needle metering, and yep. you know, like I mean, all of the components are there. The execution was just yep. very, very off. And you know what? That is probably the common theme among all these cursed, cursed cameras: is that the execution is there, the concept is there. It's just the build quality the build quality is terrible well, I mean, they're, or, they're or, in my, costs, or in my personal case with my cursed F1 it was the uh, a hack camera repair tech yeah. sometime in the past worked on it yeah. and what shocks me is you know the Russians of all people should be experts on executions <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Oof. ouch we'll get letters for get that one too those emails rolling in <laughs> Too dark? Should I cut that out? No, leave that one in. Leave that one in. Well, that wraps it up for uh, this episode. Uh, my name's Alex Lokes, and you know what? Honestly, if you like a camera, roll with it. If you don't like it, who cares what everyone else says about it? Just toss it out. Use what you love. Shoot what you love. And... Damn the maneuvers, go straight at them. You got it. This is James Lee. They call them shelf queens for a reason. Leave them there.
This is Bill Smith. I'm going to echo a wee bit what James has said. Also, do you do the do your due diligence on the camera. Even if it's like one of the good ones, you never know. You might wind up with a lemon. This is John Meadows. How do I feel about the, the Zenit 3M? It does for photography what Joseph Stalin did for free speech. 